Hello and welcome. Here to Lead is for leaders who are looking for practical insight and hands-on tools and advice on how to unleash the power in their leadership to get things done. I'm your host, Kelly Barkabas. Let's get started. So what does leadership mean to you? In today's episode, we are going to develop an elevator pitch of leadership. If you've never heard of an elevator pitch, this is really just a concept uh, or an idea that you can make relevant in many situations or applications. You know, as a writer, every book, novel, play, or project that I've written, I've developed a two to three sentence summary that I can rattle off to anyone who asks, what's your book about or what do you write about? Um, and in those circles, it's it's always very important to have this elevator pitch for your idea. And of course, it's dubbed the elevator pitch because the theory is that you need to be able to articulate your idea, whatever it is, in the few minutes you have in an elevator with someone you've been dying to get in front of. I don't think I've ever actually rattled off one of these in an actual elevator, but I have used the concept at a party, at the dinner table, job interview, which I think is probably mostly relevant to this podcast and what we're talking here about leadership. We all have times where we are put on the spot and asked a question. And rather than fumbling through words and rambling on for 10 minutes or more, and then you, you, know, you walk away kicking yourself for fi- sounding like a bumbling idiot, having a practiced pitch that you can rattle off will not only impress whoever it is that you're talking to, it gives you more confidence so that you're, you're actually seeking out people and hope that they ask the tough question rather than hide in the corner and pray that nobody talks to you. Think about a networking event or a conference, you know, where you're there by yourself, the only one from your company, you don't know anyone, and it's, you know, happy hour or lunchtime or, you know, you're sitting at a table with other people and they ask, what do you do? Who do you work for? Uh, What position do you have? Or maybe you have an, you know, maybe you're looking for a job. And that's when this became really important for me. If you've listened to the intro to this podcast in the last episode, you'll know that I had this midlife professional crisis and I was faced with having to find a, a new job in a strange city. After I had moved to San Diego, I was really far away from the professional network that I had grown up with. And so I had, de- I had to develop a true elevator pitch for myself. And I walked myself through these three questions. And doing this exercise allowed me to get to the point where I could articulate how I view myself, what I do, and how I want others to see me. So we're going to talk about um, these three questions as it relates to leadership. What type of leader am I? What do I like to do? And what will others say about how I lead? So let's start with what type of leader am I? You know, when I took myself through this exercise, I began by making a list of all the leaders I'd known in my life and career and what I've learned from them. And it sounds super easy, but for me, it was really hard. Like I tried to think back to my earliest leaders. And of course, my my first initial thought was to go right to my first boss, that I had after I got out of college. But I really challenged myself to go back even further. When did I really first have a leader show up in my life? I thought about my dad, of course. My very first leader uh, was my dad. And my dad was a foreman in a gravel pit for more than 20 years. Um, If you don't know what a gravel pit is, it is a quarry. It's really a stone quarry. And he uh, ran that stone quarry, which means he had a, a team of guys 
that reported to him, and they all ran heavy equipment, bulldozers and backhoes and dump trucks, and they had um, this equipment that took the stone out of the quarry and crushed it into different sizes that they sold to customers. That's what a gravel pit does. You know, and not only did I think, okay, my dad was a first leader in my life, and what did it, what did I learn from him? He certainly did not spend any time at leadership seminars or um, reading leadership books that I know of, but he was responsible for running a business and running a team of people. And when I really think back to what he taught me, he taught me that leaders work hard, of course, I got my work ethic from him, and they work side by side with their team willing to do whatever was necessary. He really, when I think about it, gave me my practical aspect of my leadership, which shows up really strong for me today. He used to say, any job worth doing is worth doing well. And I just hear that voice in my head still today. Anytime I'm tempted to take a shortcut or I don't really want to do something the way that I know it should be done, I hear that in my head. And he never asked his guys to do anything he wasn't willing to do himself. He left the house every morning between 4.30 and 5. Um, He had his black lunchbox in hand and his thermos. It didn't matter what we had going on the night before or how late his kids kept him up. He was up every day at the same time. And, you know, he took me and my two sisters to work with him long before Take Your Daughters to Work Day was a thing in the 90s. And we would go and sit in the trailer and eat candy with the guy who weighed the trucks when they left the gravel pit and took the ticket so he could bill the customers. And we had a front row seat, not only in the trailer, but we would get to ride along in the dump trucks and the loaders and the backhoes alongside my dad or any of his workers. And he really worked alongside his crew. And when there was a really risky and scary job, he sent himself. And I, he's told me this story many times that at the gravel pit, there was a crusher that took large stones and rocks and crushed them into number one or number two stone, it's, as it's known in the biz. And occasionally the chute would get plugged. And the only way to unplug it then would be to send somebody down the conveyor belt. So my dad could have easily sent the smallest guy, the youngest guy, the newbie, but he didn't. He shimmied himself down a 40-foot conveyor belt on his back, holding a hammer and chisel. There wasn't enough room to sit up or move your feet when you got to the bottom. And he would go down there and hammer and chisel the stone that had been causing the problem and then shimmy back up the belt. He said it was like crawling through a pipe on your back and you couldn't let your mind wander. You'd get claustrophobic and panic. And he would have one of his guys stand close by in case he got stuck and needed to be pulled out with a rope and also to make sure that nobody turned the crusher on while he was in there. Sounds pretty scary to me. But he worked alongside his men. He, For me, he was the OG of the roll your sleeves up leader. You know, in today's world... Uh, We use terms like hands-on position or this is a roll-your-sleeves-up role to make sure people know we expect them to work. So I'll forever be grateful to my dad for his work ethic and practical get-it-done mentality that he gave me. Other than my dad, when I think back to an early leader in my life, I think of my field hockey coach. Her name was Miss Miziak, and uh, she was amazing. I played field hockey in high school and one year in college. And I respected her without question. And when I think back to why, and again, I hadn't thought about this in so many years, I guess 30 years I hadn't thought about this, but when I do think back, I I did respect her without question. And the reason I did is because she cared about each one of us personally, but that didn't stop her from kicking our butt during practice. She was tough. She expected us to show up ready to play and in shape. I remember before my junior year of high school, 
um, ended for the summer, Coach let all of us know on the team that she expected us to show up in August for our first practice in shape and ready to play. She knew that if we were conditioned, she wouldn't have to waste time on cardio and strength training. She could get right to the business of um, stick skills, which is where we would win or lose a game. So along with this expectation, she gave us a plan to get there. She gave us a stapled packet of purple ink ditto copies. So that summer between my junior and senior years, I woke up at 6 a.m. before I had to go to work at the sub shop that I worked at, and I would run three miles. I jumped over my hockey stick 100 times. I completed 100 sit-ups. I dribbled around my backyard and did, uh, you know, dodged flower beds and lawn furniture and practiced my stick skills and checked off everything else on her list. And in August, when practice began, I showed up in the best shape of my life. And she recognized it, and I started every game. And that year, I won MVP, was on the all-star team. And I don't even know that I appreciated or realized what she was doing then, but now know that she gave us her expectations. She gave us a plan to get there. She held us accountable to it. And then we were rewarded with playing time on the field. The other thing that I really respected about her uh, was that she wasn't afraid to fail or be vulnerable. And she let us see that. There was this one time in the final minute of a game with one of our biggest rivals, Canastota, I failed to stop a ball on a corner shot. And my coach yelled and screamed at me with her hands waving, spit flying on the sidelines, Bargabas, what is the matter with you? And I was devastated. I was devastated because I flubbed the shot, so I was embarrassed. But also her reaction um, devastated me, her frustration or disappointment because I respected her so much. But life went on. I'm sure by later that night or the next day, I was pretty much over it. I don't even remember if we won that game, but I remember what she did next. At the end of that season, it wasn't even the next day, so this was probably a month or two later, at the end of the field hockey season, she gave me a thank you card. And she explained in this card how on that day on the field, in Canastota when I flubbed that shot that it was a life lesson for her and changed her whole philosophy of coaching. After she yelled at me and was afraid she had destroyed my love for the game and my respect for her, she realized that playing the game was about so much more than just winning and she wanted me to know that. And her ability and willingness to be a vulnerable leader and admit to a mistake that drove her to a change in her coaching philosophy taught me that it was okay to be a strong, respected leader. And when you make a mistake, you apologize, you say you were wrong, you ask for forgiveness, and you move on. She taught me that true leaders are okay with vulnerability, and the lessons I learned on the field hockey field are still with me today. The other leader, when I think outside of my work context, um, really early on in my life, who taught me about vision and discipleship was my pastor. He demanded excellence from everyone, staff and volunteers. He developed a, a discipleship program for leaders. And I was in my 20s when I completed this 12-week program with him. And um, the lessons from that program moved me then and have stayed with me through the years. So those early leaders of mine, my dad, my pastor, my field hockey coach, before I entered the professional world, they all modeled a leadership that was hands-on and practical, vulnerable and authentic, and rooted in vision and discipleship. And those things are some of the most important things to me today. And again, this isn't something that was really in my conscious mind until I took myself through this exercise. When I think about my 25 years in the business world, I've worked for all kinds of leaders, good and bad, toxic and visionary, effective and useless. And I'm really grateful for all of them because they've all made me the leader I am today. And when I started out this exercise of defining what kind of leader 
I was, I began by listing the type of leaders I had experienced and what I remembered about them. And I hate to even say this because I don't like to be negative, but you know, for me, what's been a common theme in, in my career has um, been leadership that I've seen that has not been good and that I did not want to replicate. But that's important too. I think it's good to notice leaders that you don't necessarily respond to or leaders that you don't feel are doing a good job. And, and what is it about those leaders that you don't like? Because I think by, by recognizing that, you'll know what kind of leader you want to become. And some of the mistakes I've seen other leaders make throughout my career are being afraid to fail. And because they're afraid to fail, they're afraid to make decisions. I've seen analysis by paralysis, trying to get the analysis 100% right when 80% is good enough to make the decision that needs to be made. Communication extremes, thinking that communication means you tell everyone everything all the time or the opposite of that, which is not valuing communication at all. Treating people unkind or disrespectfully. Not holding people accountable, including themselves and other senior leaders. Keeping weak or toxic people on a team too long. Unable to maintain focus. Try to implement too many things at once and therefore lasting change is elusive. And finally, lack of vision for the organization or not effectively communicating their vision throughout the organization. Articulating these things that I, this list I just read to you, helped me figure out the kind of leader I wanted to be. And to answer that first question, what type of leader am I? The second question, what do I like to do? To answer this, I spent some time looking over my resume and career history and thinking about the positions I had held, the projects I had worked on, and what stood out to me. Whenever I prepped for a job interview, I had made sure I had examples and talking points of successful projects and career highlights. So I'd looked at those notes and I'd looked for common themes. And finally, what will others say about how I lead? Again, to answer this question, I thought about the leaders I had witnessed throughout my life and what I had responded to. How did I like to be led? How would I want to be treated, corrected, rewarded? During one of my leadership programs, we were tasked with writing a, a personal mission statement. And I wrote the following very early in my life and career. I wrote this mission. I will use my skills and abilities to bring information, truth, justice, and inspiration into my world and all those around me. My work will have an impact, cause change, improve things, combat negative forces or trends. I will help those in need. I will build where there was nothing. I believe that anyone and everyone can change and that each new day is a chance to turn it all around. And um, that tells you a little bit about what's important to me. So when I really looked at this full exercise... What I came out with, what my answers were, is what type of leader am I? I am an authentic, collaborative, capable, and strong leader. By authentic, I mean I'm honest, I'm committed, I'm flawed, I'm curious and open, self-aware, not ruled by fear, I'm comfortable with making mistakes, and I'm able to make tough decisions because I'm okay with being vulnerable and transparent. I don't have to be the hero. I don't have to be right all the time. My second attribute is collaborative. I believe in building strong teams with accountability. And I'm also able to rely on the expertise of others. I don't need to be the one with all the answers. I just need to be able to find them or the people that have them. I'm capable. I possess business acumen. I'm hardworking. I'm focused and educated. So I have the technical skills. And I keep myself educated. And I'm always learning. And finally, I'm strong. 
I want to be a decisive leader. I want to be held accountable and willing to make the tough decisions. So those are the answers to my first question. Secondly, what do I like to do? When I looked back over my career history and some of the highlights and the projects that I remember and what I felt good about, I realized that I like to find solutions. I love to problem solve. In fact, when I'm talking to people and someone is telling me about a problem or a challenge, my brain immediately shifts into problem solving mode. I like to reverse trends. I like to implement change. I like to maximize productivity. How did I find out about those things about myself? Again, I just looked back over some of the projects where I've been really successful and I felt good about what I did and I looked for those common themes. And, you know, you look for the things that kind of drive you crazy too that you just can't rest until you do something about it. And finally, how will others describe my leadership? How I treat people is really important to me. I never want to make someone feel bad or shamed or less than. I am not interested in finger pointing. When something goes wrong or mistakes are made, I'm less interested in who did it and more interested in what happened that led to this result and how do we avoid it in the future. So it's important to me to lead with kindness and respect, open and consistent communication. That doesn't mean you have to tell everybody everything, but you be transparent when you can, honest when you can't, but most importantly, you're consistent. And then finally, I want to lead with accountability and operational excellence. So that's my list. Those are my answers to those three questions, but it's not the only list. Those aren't the only answers. Your list and answers to those three questions will be different. I'm not suggesting that what leadership looks like looks like for me is the same for you. But using my answers to those three questions that we just walked through, I was able to consolidate and formulate this elevator pitch, which remember, that's what we're doing today is developing an elevator pitch. And here's mine. I am an authentic, collaborative, capable leader with a passion for finding solutions, reversing negative trends, maximizing productivity, and implementing change. I am committed to leading with kindness, respect, and open and consistent communication while holding myself and others accountable for operational excellence. You know what's coming. It's your turn in the seat. So now you are going to develop your own elevator pitch. So what I want you to do is to first start by making a list of all the leaders that have influenced you, good and bad. And it can be a parent, it can be a babysitter, it can be a coach, it can be, of course, a boss, a CEO in your company. But make a list of all the leaders that you remember that have influenced you throughout your life, um, no matter how old you are or how experienced you are. And just find at least three words that describe their leadership style, good or bad. What did they do on a daily basis that impressed you? What did you see them do well? What mistakes did they make? What didn't you like? And what was their reputation? What did people say about them? Remember, the point of this exercise and these three questions is to develop a summary statement for you so that you can let someone know in a short amount of time who you are, what you're good at, and how you do it. So after you go through that exercise and you really spend some time thinking about those, now I want you to answer this question. What type of leader am I or aspire to be? So scan that list that you just completed. What stands out? What are the common themes? Um, Look up some leadership attributes. You know, look at the thesaurus. Write down at least three, but no more than five. You know, are you commanding, collaborative, strong, entrepreneurial, creative, 
authentic? Are you a communicator? Do you want to be inspirational, passionate, innovative, enlightened, honest? Think about those attributes that you aspire to or that you feel describe you. What do you like to do? Look over your resume. Look, think about your accomplishments. Think about those things that you're proud of, that make you feel good, that you got done. Um, What part of the day do you enjoy most? You know, do you like problem solving? Do you like leading people most of all? What are those things that stand out to you? And finally, what qualities as a human being are important to you? What do you want others to say about how you lead? What qualities do you respond to well in others? That will give you a clue of how you want others to see you. Again, what qualities as a human being are important to you? Is it communication? Is it kindness? Is it um, respect? Is it having all the answers? You know, what is it that that you really want people to think of when they think of you as a leader? And now I want you to take your answers to those three questions, and I want you to try to summarize it in one or two clear and concise sentences. You're just, you're simply answering the questions of who you are, what you like to do, and how you do it. And once you do that, memorize it, internalize it, write it up, hang it up, put it on your desk so you see it every day, hang it on your bathroom mirror, put it on your LinkedIn profile, mine is on there, Um, put it on your resume. You now have your very own elevator pitch. Good job. Yay. That is me giving you applause. This is important work. It really is. So just say it out loud. Practice it. Tell your friend about it. Let it become your mantra. Don't let yourself get hung up if you don't feel like you're there yet. Start with a a working draft of a few sentences and just look at it every day. Say it out loud and you'll improve on it. You'll edit it. And the truth is leadership is like that. It's, a, it's an art that you will practice and perfect over your entire lifetime. So you may want to revisit your elevator pitch periodically, especially if you're young and just starting out and developing. You know, you will grow and may want to make some changes. But I, I do believe these questions and exercises are critical to understanding who you are as a leader and what leadership means to you. And it will feel really good when you get it done. I promise. I promise. Now, in our next episode, we're going to take this, you know, we're going to finish this topic of leadership because everything that we've done so far, we've talked about a definition of leadership. We've talked about aspiring, studying, and practicing. We've just spent this episode developing our elevator pitch, which was a lot of work. But so what? It looks good on paper. It sounds good. What does it all mean? Why would anyone hire me or you? And that's what we're going to talk about. Our next episode is going to be short, um, but it's going to bring it all together on why this is important. So please tune in. Again, you can always go to my website, kellybargabus.com slash podcast to listen to old episodes or to send me an email. If you got something useful today, please subscribe, share a review. I'd appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Here to Lead, and we'll talk soon.